Hello, love, and welcome to your lovely intuition podcast. I'm your host, Riley June, medium and mentor. Through understanding my energy, intuition, and spirit, I have found the way back home to my soul, unlocking infancy in my life, relationships, building a six-figure business, and manifesting more in my dreams than ever before. I am here to help you deeper understand your intuition, why you're here, and what your soul is calling you to know so you can unlock those codes within you too. So take a deep breath in and let's dive into all things energy now. So today we're going to be diving into the topic of children in spirit. I have a training coming out on this um, tomorrow in the expansion membership community. So if that's something that you feel called to dive into more, then that is going to be there and available for you. Um, But I did want to put this here. So what I'm going to be doing today with you is we're going to just be doing a mini session on children and spirit. And for a few different reasons that I'm going to get into before I get into some of the topics like your child's energy and where they're at um uh psychologically how to like how helping them there's the words helping them connect to energy protect their energy tools for overwhelm and normalizing their feelings around energy or their experiences these are some of the biggest questions that i get asked in session and through dms is my child is having this experience what are some things that you share and before we dive into this this topic fully i just have to disclaimer and context that I am not a pediatrician, a child psychologist of any sort and form. My personal experience is through navigating these things with my own children who are one, four, and nine, and also just my own personal research that I've done. And then, of course, my understanding of energy and intuitive abilities and starseed children, indigo children, and all these types of things. And so, why this topic is probably the most important topic right now, especially if you are a parent, is, well, our children's future is being stolen from them, to put it blatantly. Our children's future is being stolen from them. And we can all agree that our, ch- our children's future will never be the same as it was for us. And just like, you know, we look at even pre-2020, right? We would acknowledge like, oh my gosh, I would never let my kids do the the things that I was doing. And, you know, our parents, I'm sure, had the same types of conversations. We always think that we're smarter (laughs) than our children's generation. However, our children are growing up in a very different time and in some cases very difficult depending upon how you're navigating this experience right now. And, And no one is navigating it better or worse than the other and I also am going to context that there are probably going to be some triggering things that I do share throughout this episode but it is truly for your highest good and of course it is based on my personal opinions and beliefs so putting that out there but I really feel like this will give you some really great insight as to how to help your children navigate this from an energetic um, perspective and also to help them deepen their own understanding Oh, spirit wants me to go in so many directions. So I'm just going to keep the focus today. So let's start off with just some of the reality. Okay, so this is some of the realistic things that our kids are facing these days. 
our my biggest concern as growing or becoming a parent and having my children grow up was that that topic that we all want to we don't know how we're going to navigate it's the birds and the bees but I'm finding that what's actually more difficult is having the conversation openly with my children about the M-A-S-K-S <laughs> the masks because my family does not believe in it um, for various reasons my husband is medically exempt uh, there's not enough scientific backing and knowledge to actually give me a, a good enough reasoning why that that makes sense plus just all the controversial and misinformation and all the other things that go with this we're not going to dive into the this kind of stuff but this is a legitimate reality that our children are facing and to the point where our children are being desensitized our children are being desensitized to people and they're being drawn to normalizing things like tvs and parents on their phones checking the news or being on instagram and all these types of things like me growing up my parents they watch tv that's normal or that was normal to me but there wasn't this constant looking around and seeing everybody on their phone like there is today okay so that's just like one experience that there that is now a part of their reality that is different than my reality growing up so we're normalizing technology which I say that neutrally um, dependent upon your own personal boundaries around it using technology is not a bad thing in any way shape or form overusing technology and it being your main source of attention is not a good thing because one what else well honestly the question is and this is just like a question for you to sit with is what are you avoiding right because when we take the time to plug into our phone more than we are living our life there's something we're avoiding and I know this not only from my own personal experiences and navigating it but also from having psychologist friends and having these types of conversations with them so this is something that our children are facing is normalizing this, um, you know, not communicating, not having proper communication and not being okay or feeling okay to look at the person in the store and smile or how are you today or having these little conversations that we used to do, right? So these things are being taken away from them, which is so important and crucial for their development because it helped us growing up and helps children growing up to find normalcy in strangers. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean, you know, let your children go with strangers, but to know that not everybody in the world is scary, Right. And so right now, depending upon what your experience is with this whole, um, I just call it the boogeyman because that's the best way to do it. So I can avoid any ramifications. <laughs> um, depending upon what your experience and your beliefs are and how you're navigating the boogeyman experience, um, our children are growing up to essentially live in fear and feel like they cannot survive oh my gosh, I got to go to school, but there's all these walls and these barriers and these sanitizations and my parents can't come in anymore and, you know, all this. And if, God forbid, I get sick, oh my gosh, I don't want to tell the teacher. So these are logical and legitimate things that our children are dealing with. And what that does is it programs them and instills this deep level of fear where they cannot trust. They cannot trust themselves they don't feel like they can tell the truth because if they tell the truth, something may come of it, 
right? And it's not just, well, if you lie, you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Now it's like, I might go home from school. I might have to isolate. I might have to do these things. My mom or dad might be mad because they have to take this time off work now. So there's this whole new layer of things that our children are navigating. And they're not, let me repeat that, they are not emotionally intelligent enough to be able to fundamentally and consciously process, understand, and navigate these experiences properly. They're anywhere between, you know, one and even 12 years old, right? And the emotional intelligence of a 12-year-old and under is not high whatsoever because they don't fully understand what regulating their self is right? That's not something that we really learn to start unpacking until we're later on in life. And our children are being forced to have to adjust and adapt very quickly, which is fine because they do very easily. But dependent upon how you're you're navigating these experiences and the types of conversations you have about other people and other people's beliefs and your beliefs about the boogeyman and all these other things and agendas going on, Our children are overhearing these types of conversations and what's happening is then when we put them out into society, into a school or we go into a store with them and in our case we don't wear masks so um, our daughter, our oldest daughter gets very triggered and she has a lot of anxiety built up within her because of different conversations that have been had in, in, in different forms and around different people, right? So we, my husband and I, have made it very clear with each other that, you know, when we speak about these things, we do it in a very neutral context if the children are around or we just don't speak about it at all. And we explain to them, you know, we have these rights and we're a democratic country and, you know, we get to navigate and we get to make our own choices and some people aren't going to agree, but people don't always agree and that's okay. That's where you create boundaries and that's where you, you know, just acknowledge what your rights are and and, and what you believe believe in if the conversation needs to go that far or some people just don't have the right to tell you what to do and that's okay too. So there's many, there's a multifacet of layers that come with this experience in helping your child navigate that and I promise this is relevant to your child's energy and helping them with spirit because if we're in a space like we're in and we are as parents constantly berating them with fear-mongering tendencies and ideas What it does is from a child between the ages of zero and seven, they create their core and fundamental values and beliefs as a person, okay? So that could be, I'm uh, this religion, I am this color skin, I am this identity, these are these traditions, this is this type of behavior, right? So if a child grows up in a household with a lot more aggression, then that's a core value that they develop, that aggression is okay, or that's how we deal with things. And I say that neutrally. If you grow up in a household where um, one of the parents are very submissive, right, just kind of don't really have any boundaries or structures, then the child grows up with that type of experience, that type of core value. If you grow up in a household where the family is very proactive and does all the things, right, they're going to grow up with a little bit more structure, a little bit more determination, right? And so if you fall into any of those categories, first off, those are not the only categories and those are just the most you know, specifically generalized ones that I could pick where you would get the idea that I'm where I'm going with this. Okay. And the other part to understand is that from the ages of zero to seven, children are in a theta state of being, which means that they operate from a consciousness that is 
equal to hypnosis. So when we as adults get put into a hypnotic state, we go into a theta rhythm. And children are in a theta rhythm, meaning that your child will watch what they see and that's how they develop the cues and the ideas and the understandings and the core beliefs is because they're essentially hypnotized by the environment that they're in. And so that's how they realize or they begin to understand how the world works, right? Even though how one household operates is not indicative of how the world works, that's kind of how they then move their beliefs out into as they grow older and they go into the world. They take on what the household is like and they then apply that to their social circumstances, like through school and playing and all these different things. Make sense? Okay, so in this state of being, children are also naturally more susceptible and connected to energy than anything else because they can't, you know, try and ask a four-year-old how they're feeling. Most times they're going to say, I don't know, or they're going to say happy, or they're going to say sad, or they're going to grunt so you know they're mad. But they can't really explain to you why. They could say, well, this person, you know, my sister hit me and I didn't like that. But they can't really explain to you, like, the effects of that. Does that make sense? So you go even younger than that and most times they're not fully speaking or they're not fully clear on, you know, even what mad and sad and happy is. But the one thing that is relevant to all children um, up until about the age of seven or eight, dependent upon the environment they grew up in. Now, that obviously changes a lot of this dynamic. However, let's say it's a standard home. Parents go to work. Parents come home. They have a babysitter. You know, everything's relatively cordial and so on and so forth. So let's just say that that's the the generalization that I'm going off of within this, this um, uh, not description, this example. Okay. So children in that state, they understand energy more than anything else, right? They don't have a whole lot of pressure being put on them or trauma being inflicted around in their environment. So they just, they just are in a pure hypnotic state. They don't have these survivalistic tendencies that come over them or have to watch out for something or, you know, are, are doing a lot of stuff, right? So they're just being, they're just playing, they're just being children. But what happens is, is children constantly are in this state of being more connected to energy. And the way that you know this to be true is because when they, when you're saying goodbye to somebody and your child doesn't want to go to grandma or grandpa, or they don't want to go to this relative or they don't want to go to that person, it's not because they don't know them. I'm sure they've seen them before. Or it's not because they don't love them because they probably don't even know what love means at that point anyways. Um, but it's dependent upon the person's energy that they are then approaching. So if grandpa had a really shitty day and you go over there and now all of a sudden grandpa's super happy and you know he's having a good time or he's just kind of calm and he's just having normal conversations, that doesn't mean that grandpa's energy didn't change. And a child will understand the energy faster and better than they'll understand that grandpa looks like he's just sitting in his chair having a conversation. So the reason why they don't want to then approach the person has more to do with the energy that's being um, emitted from that person uh, subconsciously than it is to do with them having that hour or two hour experience with them. Does that make sense? Okay. In those states, we have always kind of grown up, and, and I'll speak from my own experience, I've always grown up to be like, we'll hug them anyways. We'll hug them anyways. We'll hug them anyways. We'll hug them anyways. 
And what that creates is then a lack of boundaries for that child to then start to understand for themselves. Because no matter who that person is or what that title is, and this is a big reason why us as adults growing up and then me working with clients and them realizing that there's certain family members in their life that are not resonating with them or are toxic, the reason that they have such a deep level of being able or not being able to detach from them or just acknowledge it for what it is and, and creating separation and boundary is because of that constant pressure that was put on them to say, well, you got to love them because they are this person to you. Well, you got to hug them because they're this person to you. Well, you got to do this because they were this person to you. And so as we grow up, we have this attachment where it's like, well, I can't say goodbye to my dad or I can't say that I can't or I'm not going to tell this person to F off or I can't tell my mom where to go because she's my mom. Well, so if a person isn't good for you, they're just not good for you. That doesn't mean that they, that person, doesn't have the responsibility or capability to then go and do what they need to do to realign themselves. But that's not your responsibility. That's not our children's responsibility. So our children navigate energy a lot clearer and quicker than they do emotional or intellectual conversations or elements or aspects of life. And so let's bring in the imaginary friends. So this is a really big conversation that comes up. Um, And it's my child has this imaginary friend and they describe them like this and I think they're actually a ghost or what do I do about this imaginary friend or what do I do about this spirit that's, you know, making my child feel sad all the time. Um, And it's, there's a few different things that I want to speak to this um, to help you if you're in this position. And then I'm going to get into some of, into the topics that I talked about in the beginning. If your child is connecting with a not-so-good spirit, a negative entity, one thing that I will context and I have to disclaim here is that, again, it is your job as a parent to go and seek out licensed forms of therapy for your child because there very well could be a chemical imbalance within them that is fueling that experience. Okay, so I need to say that. Now, energetically, our children astral travel. Meaning because they're in such a deep state of hypnosis from from one to seven um, in a given general experience in life, right? Parents are relatively decent. They do the best with that they can. They're happy. They take the kids to the park on the weekend kind of thing. You know, have a good time. Um, Our children can bring back entities or we as adults, depending on our vibration, can bring back entities and then our children connect with them. So let me give this example. If you and your husband or you and your dad or you and your sister or you and whoever are constantly fighting, constantly fighting, constantly fighting, you're in this negative state, you're likely complaining a lot about things or you really hate your work and you're bringing that energy home with you, you're naturally going to be in a lower vibrational state of being. So when you go to sleep and then your light body astral travels, it will pick up things of that vibration. So if you've been going through the same conversations or avoiding the conversations you need to have or going to the same job that you hate and it's bringing up this energy day after day, week after week, month after month, and even year after year, your vibration that you're connecting to is very low naturally. And that's why you likely have not so great eating habits or you get not so great sleep or you don't have the greatest support of people in your life um, or you feel that you're overwhelmed or anxious more often than not so a lot of that's going to be due to the vibration that you're in and then when you go to sleep and you bring back these entities then your children 
being in an energetic state of being and essentially a hypnotic state, they will pick up and they will see all these things that you've brought into attach or that you have brought back in your sleep that is attached to you that they are now connecting with and because then they connect with them they can communicate with them because they understand energy more than anything so their clairvoyancy is turned up 100% their clairaudience is turned up 100% their clairsentience is turned up 100% and so then these imaginary friends come in and I'm speaking to the negative ones And then they feel very disheartened and they feel very overwhelmed and they feel very upset all the time. And a big part of that is going to be due to their environment. Now, this isn't a shame on you or shaking my finger at you conversation that I'm having. It's just so that you understand where these energies are likely coming from. So let's flip the coin. So let's say that you're in a good place, you have good conversations, and you know maybe you got a little things to work on, or you have all the good things, good job, all that kind of stuff, or you're at least happy with it, you're good, you're neutral, but your children is having these experiences. Again, in that case, it's not to then say anything about their environment, it's just what's coming back with your child. So we also have to remember, and this is really important, every single human being on this planet has a specific and unique agenda and mission in this life. So if you have a very loving, um, nurturing home, but your child is connecting to negative energies and there's no reason to assume anything has come from their environment or rationalize or logically put together that it's coming from their environment, it's an experience your child has chosen to have before they've come into this human vessel to either help you understand something so that you can help them or for them to navigate and process through so that they can uncover something about their mission in this life. Make sense? So that's really important to understand. And even on the flip side, if they're having great positive experiences with energies and spirits, right? Same thing. If there is nothing in the environment to context this this heightened experience of them all of a sudden or having for a long time seeing all the spirits, right? It's it's also why when babies, like young babies, like three and younger, grandma or grandpa or someone passes and they bring the picture to you all of a sudden or they start laughing in the middle of the night in the crib or they're pointing to the wall, right? It's because they connect with energy. And as we grow into adults, we've had this programmed layer and conditioning that tells us that we got to do this and this is how society is and this is what makes a good person and this is the right stipulations for how you need to live your life. So we create these falsified identities over ourselves that block our energetic ability to connect. So children naturally don't have those things in place. So they are going to believe the energy faster and quicker than they're going to understand the emotional, physical elements of life truly okay going back to this um there are things that you can do to help your child protect their energy the first one is is really making sure your environment's clean now i'm not talking about um you know obsessively cleaning your home every day so your child doesn't affect things that's not what i'm talking about I mean like if you have a lot of clutter constantly in your home, in your life, in your conversations, in your cars, these are going to bring about anxious tendencies within children. The other thing is, so 
cleaning the environment and bring them along with this, right? Even if they're one years old. My daughter, we love to sing songs and we love to clean. And again, I'm not going to pretend like I'm perfect in this because what this episode is all about is advice. Um, But there are ways to help your child get into the energy of just creating clean spaces. And we're not crazy about it. You know, we vacuum once a day. We... I tend to not like to do laundry every day, so my husband does it every few days. And so I'm not talking about like not having like stuff in your house, right? Like we are people, we live a life and things don't need to be perfect 24-7 to keep these bad spirits out, (laughs) okay? But like if you have an overwhelming amount where like, you know, you can't get through the house or you know where I'm going with this, right? It's time to start cleaning this up. Because one, it's going to help you clean up your life but it, and your energy. But it's also most importantly going to help your children feel and find a calming state of being. Okay, so that's one way to really help them to protect their energies, to keep a clean environment. Other thing that you can do is mantras, songs, and prayers. So however you want to navigate that, whether it's like... Um, a prayer about being protected or it's a mantra about happy spirits and happy life and love and you know shielding or pretending we have a big bubble around us um or I am protected I am healed I am clear I have my angels like something it does not have to be complicated and these are things we're going to go over in the training but It does not have to be complicated. It can be super simple and it's super easy. So me and my son, well, my children, we say a prayer every night and it's, um, dear God, thank you for all the fun we had today. Please continue to bless our lives with love, healing, and prosperity. Please send love to all the hearts around the world tonight. Thank you for yesterday, today, and tomorrow too. Amen. And that's our prayer. Super simple. He absolutely loves it. Um, My daughter kind of just like sits and looks and then my oldest daughter is she's kind of finding her way in in prayers and things like that. And we're not an overly religious family whatsoever, um, but we do say that prayer and we pray at dinner and um, sometimes she participates and sometimes she doesn't, but we don't force it on her. So in those cases, then as her parent, when she goes to bed, I will shield her energy with white light and a big bubble and just make sure that her energy is clear and cut. So that's some some very simple tools that you can give to your children or crystals. So if they're older, crystals are always super fun. Um, so selenite is a great one or clear quartz. So those are ways to protect their energy. Now I'm not going to go too much into um, helping children to navigate the negative spirits because it's not it's just not something that I am comfortable with dealing with, not being a child psychologist. Um, but I will acknowledge that if your child is experiencing these types of things, there's two indications for you um, and one way that I'll offer for you to help them. So the first one is what boundaries are being set in their environment? Are you someone who, um, you know, frantically does a lot of things, doesn't have a lot of boundaries in your conversations, in your relationships, because that's going to create a susceptibility with them to connect with these things. And the other thing is then um, kind of the cleanliness in the environment, right? Is there just like a lot of stuff everywhere? And what's your kind of day-to-day looking like? Because that would create an experience that could create an experience where your child becomes susceptible to these things. And if none of those apply and they're just connecting, they're probably a highly sensitive person um, or a star seed, meaning that they've come here with a really big mission and this is something that they are they have chosen to navigate. And in that, 
it's then teaching them that they're in control. So I just wanted to circle back to this one because I recognize that I kind of went past it, but teaching your child they're always in control, and this is really important for no matter what the experience is, always helping this them to understand that they're always in control of energy. And you can do use it like things like um, putting the spirit in the box. So build a loving, beautiful, vibrant, happy box and tell your child that they get to put that spirit in that happy box and then you're going to go and either release it in a fire or you're going to go and bury it somewhere not in your own yard. You're better off just kind of doing a ceremony and, and letting them know like, okay, we're going to put whoever in the box and you know they're probably not going to want to go in there but I know that you want to be happy and we get to set them free we're going to set them free we're going to send them back to a really loving beautiful place do you want them to go to a beautiful place do you want them to be just as happy as you are and like you get to be with your family and they're going to say yes and you're going to be like okay now they might not like this but it's okay because sometimes people don't know what's good for them and we're going to send them back to the light so these are the types of conversations that you can have with them build a happy box or a box out of paper and color it all the different colors and teach them set intentions on it like Johnny's gonna go back to a happy family this time and Johnny's gonna go back to this beautiful garden and light with the puppies and you know set the intentions all over the paper and then have her or him physically pretend to put Johnny in the paper box and you're gonna tie it up with a ribbon and then you can set it on fire and release him to the light okay the other thing is um, just letting them know well you get to decide who comes in your space, who comes in your room, who talks to you. So if you don't want them there and they keep bugging you, you got to tell them it's time to go away. It's time to go to the light. They're not welcome here, right? And that might be difficult for them. And there can be times where they're like, well, they don't listen or they keep coming back or what do I do about this? And then that's where you can do a release. Um, in some extreme cases, it might need to be an exorcism. Um, it's not like the movies let me just say that <laughs> um so there are or may need to be some uncomfortable things that happen and again these are super extreme cases I really don't come across them very often um however they are things that have been talked about before in sessions and just in conversations so I wanted to since this is about children and spirit I want to bring it to the surface so let's talk about child um, children connecting to energy so we did that so children are very susceptible and know energy faster and better than they are clearer and better than they do um, emotional and intellectual experiences of life and how it works okay so they're in a theta state from zero to seven and that's where they essentially program their identities and beliefs and core values of who they're going to be as a human being um children also don't really understand how to connect to themselves so we can go and do meditations and we can do journaling and all these types of things now again I'm acknowledging children under seven um, so they don't understand how to connect to themselves but what's really important about that is that free time to play and being in nature if your child is feeling a lot of overwhelm surrounding spirit and energy and all those things you find that they're very anxious or there's um, you know, just a higher tension within them or an unsettling within them. Their forms of meditation are play, music, dancing, and nature. So put on some crappy clothes, get them to go jump in some puddles. It'd probably benefit you a lot to go jump in those puddles with them and just play around outside. Children aren't as complicated as we think. Um, and unfortunately, we grew up in an era where 
we were basically told we need to be seen and not heard, right? Oh, don't make a scene in the grocery store. Oh, don't do this in front of people. Oh, got to be on your best behavior. Where it's like kids don't understand any of that stuff. And and in my personal opinion, I feel it's absolutely ridiculous that we hold them to such a high standard as if they just need to know their manners all the time and they need to do these things. Now, I agree with discipline and children do need discipline because it instills structure within them and a sense of control and boundaries. But, and and I'm also not perfect with this either. So I have had times where I get overwhelmed or frustrated when my children are throwing a tantrum in the grocery store. Like, it's just, like, that's life, right? Like, me having that reaction, them having that experience, that's normal. But what's not normal is us making it a personalized attack, meaning something about us and our parenting. If people are looking and people are judging, who cares? That's your child doing their thing. And if you got to remove them from the store then we're going to set that boundary and we're going to remove them from the store and we're going to teach them that that's not okay. They're throwing things at their sisters or brothers or whatever. That's not okay, right? But these tantrums are normal because it's a buildup of overwhelm, of energy that they don't know how to process and so it explodes out of them. So that's why really taking the time to sit with your kids every day and whether that's coloring for 10 minutes or playing outside for a bit or whatever it is, like just give them some form of attention and nurturing and outdoor time if possible will help to mitigate a lot of these explosive experiences. Not all of them because kids will be kids and these things are natural. But this is something that having or being a conscious parent is what I am really working to navigate and integrate. The other thing too is, um, and this is really important with protecting their energy, so things that you can do. If you have people in your life that are doing things that you don't agree with, so it's like, um, so I'll give you an example. So we have someone in our family that as like a joke, they poke fun at one of my kids and they say, oh, are you a fat so? And they genuinely do not mean anything negative by it. However, Me understanding what I do and the ramifications of how that could play out in his mindset later on in life, that's not okay with me. And so I speak up about it. Hey, look it, I understand you're coming from a good place, but I just do not agree with you speaking to him that way, right? So it's like you have to learn to set these boundaries because if you do not, what else are you allowing in their life and even in your own life that you don't agree with but you're just putting up with for what? an uncomfortable conversation well what does that say about you expressing your authentic truth right this whole podcast is about you stepping into these higher versions of you and really going through this navigating process of um, you know owning your truth and owning your new level of you and this new consciousness and understanding it and working within it and having these boundaries so when you allow people in your life to speak to your children in a manner or a way or do things around them that you don't agree with but you don't say anything, this is where you're going to find your resistance and your triggers that you get to work on. So for me, there was a really long period of time where I wouldn't say anything. But every time they would leave, I would feel terrible and I would feel horrible and I would be mad. It's like, why am I mad? I didn't say anything. I don't have the right to be mad because if I, you know, if I said something and they threw a fuss, well, it doesn't matter. It's my kid, right? It's your kid. Make a fuss. You don't have to approach them like, hey, stop that, I don't like it, right? But like, just genuinely be like, hey, look it, like, I know you don't mean to come from a bad place, but I don't agree with this. And this is just not how we raise our kids, right? And 
hopefully they respect you because they should because you're setting a boundary you're not being rude about it it's just how it is and if they do react that's not your job to navigate that for them that's their own job to navigate that for them so when it comes to overwhelm with your child the tools is really just nature dancing playing nurturing these are great things that all children need and love and I'm sure you do this for them all the time so you're already ahead of the game right and one thing that's really important that I'm going to end this episode off with is normalizing their energy and their feelings so when your children are having experiences and in particular to spirit I won't speak to emotions but I'll speak to spirit Um, you know, they're talking about their imaginary friends or they're talking about the spirit that they're talking to or, you know, they're pointing to the walls and stuff. Ask them questions. Be curious because what this allows you to do is understand that there are things that you don't even understand that your children are here to teach you. Our children are our greatest teachers. They are our greatest teachers. And in a paradigm right now where their future is essentially being robbed from them, We're going to learn more from them about compassion and empathy and joy than we're going to find outside in adult conversations right now. And this is something that I wholeheartedly believe to be true because even in myself, you know, I have these supportive adults in my life and my coaches and my mentors and my spouse and these people and they're so amazing for what they for who they are and what they allow and the intellectual conversations that I can continue to develop with them. But I learn more from sitting and just being and asking my kids questions than I do the curiosity and the joy that lights up within them. So with my children, um, my daughter sees a lot of spirits, my oldest daughter. So instead of being like, oh, that doesn't exist or, oh, that's not good and you got to do this and this and this, I ask them, well, what did they say and what do they look like and what do you hear and what do you sense and, you know, what are, you know, what came about this or, or and so that she also feels comfortable with me enough to, if these things should occur in the future, to know that she can talk to me about them. The worst thing that we can do as parents is to dismiss the things that our kids are saying when we have not even taken the time to listen to them or hear them out or try and figure it out. And that's a lot of this sit down, shut up kind of narrative that we've been, that we grew up in, that I'm really working to heal as a conscious parent um, in my dynamic and family. Now, again, before we end this episode off, I want to say that if at any point there was something in this episode that triggered you to really sit with what it is that triggered you about it, because none of this episode was judgment. Everything was said with complete neutrality and I know we're all doing the best that we can with what we've been given and what we got, right? But that does not give us the excuse to say that we can't do better because in any given experience with any parent, we can do better. And that doesn't mean being the mom who takes them to all the stuff or feeding them fully organic or doing these 17 different things before anything else. I'm not talking about that. I mean like doing one thing a little bit better every day than you did the day before with your kids. And what that teaches them is structure. It teaches them discipline. It teaches them nurturing. It teaches them the value and importance of self-love and care and and honoring your environment. Honestly, kids need structure and they need to be nurtured. There we go. They need to be nurtured and everything above and beyond that, they're navigating just like we are. 
And I feel like we got to give our kids a little bit of a break because they're growing up in a crumbling system that's not likely going to be here in the next five to ten years. You know, the dynamic of how school is and the way that we're all raised to be employees versus, you know, free citizens or actually have intellectual value like how to do our taxes, something we have to do, right? But that's not taught in school. There's a lot of things that aren't. These are the systems that are crumbling. So these are also the systems that are going to be reformatted. So our kids are going to grow up in the next, you know, five to 10, even 20 years with a very different reality than we ever have, especially with the amount of people who are tapping into deeper levels of consciousness and self-love and self-care and having these boundaries and having these conversations and opening themselves up to more possibility, right? We're also growing into the age where we have so much technological advancement and online entrepreneurs and so on and so forth, right? So there is so much more available to us now that is going to be a basic necessity and experience for our children unlike we had before. So we're really setting this groundwork as this new paradigm unfolds. And so I really feel like we we just need to give our children a little bit more of a break, right? Life is, is difficult as it is. Um, but it's more difficult when we're also navigating our boundaries because there's more lessons and there's more consciousness and there's more unpacking, which is good and that's fine and that's a beautiful thing for your children to witness you going through, you know, but just invite in a little bit more patience and compassion along the way because they don't know what they're doing. We don't even know what we're doing. And when we can normalize the experiences that they're having, because they're not wrong, they're not just their imagination, they're coming from somewhere or something, and we teach them these fundamental things like protecting their energy and the value and importance of going outside and, you know, really connecting to themselves, they set up, they're set up for success because then they understand the value of all these beautiful things that we are really working to integrate into ourselves and naturally, they will just have they will just have a better future. I mean, either way, they're going to. But it's, I don't want to say less work for them because they have their own mission that they get to grow through. But it just makes it a lot easier for them as they grow up. The other thing that I will speak to that I was not going to talk about, but it's persistently coming up, is in Canada right now, we have this, I don't know if it's anywhere else, I've just only seen it in Canada, in particular, um, Ontario, we have this really interesting experience where people are allowing the government to co-parent them. So let me um, explain this for a minute. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it is really valid and important to basically um, the whole point that I brought up in the beginning of a negative lower vibration. In Canada, we have these regulations, and I believe it's only in Ontario at this point, where if your child is subjected to or has a positive um, boogeyman test, that they need to be isolated. Let me tell you the ramifications of the psychological damage and trauma that is that you as a parent are inflicting on your child if you go through with allowing the government first of all to co-parent with you which they have no idea what they're doing um and i it's shocking to me that this is even something that they can recommend given that they you know i have to say supposedly have all these scientists um backing all this information they're giving us so obviously they don't because no scientist no no person putting this as a rule or regulation um, 
clearly knows what they're doing when they say that you need to isolate your child by themselves in a room away from people for 10 to 14 days. Because what you do is exactly what I shared. Not only do you carry a huge level of guilt because you've just, you've just, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have just subjected yourself to um, child abusing your child because that's what it is. It's child abuse. And that's not even my biased opinion. That's literally what it is. It's child abuse. Isolating your child in a room for 10 to 14 days, that's child abuse. So not only are you subjecting your children to this, but then the guilt and the shame that you carry is going to weigh on you, plus the trauma that is inflicted on your child because of this when they have no idea. Remember, they're in that theta state, so they're in a hypnotic state, so you're teaching your child that this is normal to be isolated, to be overwhelmed, to be upset, and the levels of, now again, this is my own opinion, so... <laughs> remember you're you're basically conditioning your child to go into a state of depression when they have no idea what they're feeling at a very young age and it's really unfortunate to see and it obviously is something that really weighs heavily on me and my heart because I can't imagine in what what experience anyone would see this as anything but a, like this is not okay so there are people out there and yes, this is me kind of stooping to a slightly lower level to be like, wake the F up. What are you doing? Um, but it's just shocking to me because I understand that, you know, there's no, there's, we're not trained to be parents. We're trained to be doctors and we're trained to be lawyers and we're trained to be this and we're trained to be that. But nobody's trained to be a parent. It's not talked about. All we're told is, you know, have protective sex and if something happens, you're going to be a parent and that's the best you get. And there's books and there's ways to navigate that. But in most cases, chances are most people aren't going to take this, like reading the books and, you know, planning things appropriately, right? Like we're in this generation where we grew up with teen moms where they made it programmable, it was very programmed, to look like it's okay to have all these babies at 15 and 16 and 17, right? Which if that was your case, you know, that yeah, it was your case. That's okay. I'm not judging people that have children at a young age. But my whole point is that in that case, it's like children having children, which is fine. Again, I'm still not judging. Um, but then even if you're older, right, there, we're not trained to be parents. But there is one thing that we, we fundamentally understand going into being parents is that we need to nurture our kids. We need to protect them at all costs. And we need to strive every day to do what's best for them. And not one of those three categories are being met if you are isolating your child from a boogeyman that, first of all, no child has died from or has been very sick from in any of the stats that I've read. So maybe there's something out there. But as far as I've looked, and I have followed this quite um, quite frequently along the way, um, but that it's it's a 99% survival rate. So there's a lot of things that you're avoiding looking into if you think and you adhere to these rules and regulations and, and, and think that this is okay because it's just not. And it's going to be really unfortunate to see the children who are products of these experiences in the future. We're already, um, you know, sitting with a 
suicide rate for kids at an alarmingly high rate. And this is something that is just going to, I feel, unfortunately spiral in a very bad direction going forward. So I know this kind of got a little heavy at the end here, um, and I was not intending to bring it up, but I feel like, honestly, if there is one person's life that I help save, or in this case, child's life that I help save from this episode, or that a parent who needed to hear this because they're weighing on the edge of what to do with this, let me tell you, it's child abuse, so don't do it. And (laughs) I will go to jail saying that if that's like let's say the worst case scenario again super extreme example but like that's that I don't even I can't even conceptualize how that's legal how a government can suggest that like that's ridiculous anyways so that's my opinion um so let's tie this off on a positive note (laughs) so if you're still listening at this point and I haven't triggered you too much to turn it off Thank you for sticking by. You probably also agreed with me. And if you didn't, I really hope you look into um, doing your own research and, you know, stop avoiding whatever it is that you're avoiding that's making you believe that that's okay because it's just not. And our children are the most precious gift. They are. We know that. We know that they are. We know that they're our greatest teachers. They have so much joy and so much love to give. They're the best thing in our life even on our hardest most difficult days and they come here with such a beautiful gift imagine being a child like just for a moment right just imagine for one moment that you are your child in this day and age it's not there there's no longer this playing outside till the street lights go out or riding your bike three blocks to the park or you know just hanging out with your friends just because there's no more you know um having these field trips and you know doing the things that we used to do in schools and buddying up at tables with five or six different kids and we can't share colors anymore and we can't share food and lunches and everything's on this super tight regulated schedule that nobody really knows what they're doing so the confusion's even higher and sometimes there's online learning and sometimes there's not online learning and for the kids that are even younger there's just like so much always going on or it's like when does anybody ever stop and take a break right like that's what your child is faced with right now and so we do our best to keep this positive happy uplifted environment where we're teaching and we're playing with them and we're learning and we're nurturing them we're doing these beautiful things but that's what they're navigating and by no means or in, in any really form or condition do they understand what's going on right But they are such a gift because they don't understand and they're so naive to the circumstances of life right now that they don't care and nor should they. And nor should they have to be a byproduct of this experiment that we're in. And they come with so much wisdom. You know that phrase, kids say the darndest things. It's their intuition. It's their intuition. They know just what to say at the perfect time to make you laugh. They know just what to say at the perfect time to make you feel like you're being a good and doing the good things that parents should do. You look at them and you see the reflection of you in their eyes and the wonder and the curiosity and the endless hope. Endless hope. 
the naivety and the rainbows and the magic. That's all in your child right now. That's all in your child right now. And they just want to be loved. And they just want to know that they are safe without understanding what being safe is. That's all they want. That's all they need. And it's our job as parents and it's our job as as we become more conscious in ourselves to trickle these ideas and these practices and these beliefs down to them. That's why, you know, not listening and believing the first thing that you hear is so important because it teaches children to be complacent. And that's one thing that I've really um, learned to overcome for myself is complacency of beliefs, right? Just because someone tells me one thing, that doesn't mean it's true because in any given experience, even what I'm sharing with you is a fraction of a truth. Now, there's some things that can be mirrored and mimicked and proved across the board in different studies and social experiments and so on and so forth. But, you know, and anytime someone tells you one thing, don't always just jump to believe it to be true because when you do that, you lose the opportunity to find your truth. And that's what we're passing down to our children is truth, is honesty, is integrity, is genuine curiosity for life and always being a good person above anything else. So allow yourself to see the gift that your child really is. Lead with a little bit more compassion and patience for them. They're doing the best that they can just as like you are doing the best that you can. And we can all use a little bit more love and a little bit more understanding. So I'm going to leave on that note. If you want to jump into the membership community and check out the training that will be live, um, we'll be doing the live training tomorrow. And so Tuesday the 9th. And then after that, it'll just be up there for a replay in the membership community for you to um, be a part of. So or to dive into so there'll be a worksheet for you to help navigate um, help your children navigate their emotions and their energy under the age of five as well as just some things that you can print out and you can help them with when it comes to protecting their energy and just finding a neutrality within themselves as well okay I feel good about this (laughs) I actually was going to do this episode last January, believe it or not, and training, but I just felt like it wasn't the right time to do it. And even coming into this episode, there were so many things that I wanted to acknowledge and bring up. And I was like, no, I'm going to stick to the to my outline I'm gonna not waver from that and then I was like is that really being my authentic self if I don't bring up some of these other things and just for anyone if you're listening at this point still um if at any point again I'm gonna say this that you were triggered this episode isn't about shaking my finger at you or shaming you into doing something differently um unless you're isolating your child then yes I am (laughs) yes I am and come on okay I'm gonna leave it at that (laughs) um I get really fired up about these things so I'm just gonna leave it at that but other than that you know just do one thing better every day and that might mean five extra minutes with your kid these are things that me and my husband are integrating with ourselves and our kids every day is just doing one thing a little bit better a little bit differently every day 
and incorporating our kids in just a deeper understanding, right? Being a psychic medium, um, I have the advantage of helping my children navigate their energy more. Um, but we all can do this, right? That's why it's become such a big um, let's say trend even though it's not a trend because we're just learning the essence of ourselves to learn your intuition right it's just this powerful gift we all have and and for the sake of our children it's a necessity for them to understand their energy before anything else um, because your physical senses could be a lie right you could smell apple pie and it turns out that it's um, you know burning toast right and though they have different distinct um, um, senses you might have a gut-wrenching feeling while you're smelling apple pie and then you, you know, walk around the house and you see all this smoke and you find out your toast is burning, right? So it's, if we learn to lean on our energetic senses, our intuition before our physical senses, not only does it naturally just change the trajectory of the bliss and joy and love and happiness and opportunity we experience in our life, but it teaches our children then that there is a whole nother universe that they have no idea the difference of that they're going to grow up into whether we like it or not so we might as well just put in the time we might as well do the work because not only does that change our lives for the better but it will shape theirs for the better and less programming right so I hope you enjoyed enjoyed this. If you did, I would love and appreciate. It would go a long way if you could share this with somebody that you know that could really use this episode today. And um, tag me on Instagram. I'd love to hear your biggest takeaway and just how you're helping your child navigate their energy at this time. I feel it's really important for us to come together and to openly talk about, you know, the experiences that our kids are having because they're not crazy. We weren't crazy when we were having them as kids and now we get to do better for them. So I hope you enjoyed this and don't forget to find the magic in today.